Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church Podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and His church, grow in faith and understanding of God's Word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We are continuing our sermon series we've entitled To Live as Christ through the book of Philippians, verse by verse over the last many weeks. We've worked through the text to understand a little bit more about who Christ is, to be challenged in our walk, challenged in our faith, to be encouraged. I pray you've spent some time reading through the book of Philippians. Maybe you've made it uh, important for you to do a personal Bible study there, to do some memorization, or at least to read through the book uh, once a week or on some sort of a regular basis. I pray you're encouraged. Uh, I pray you've learned from it. Remember, the goal always in Scripture is life change. What is Christ commanding me to do? How should I live for him? How, how does my life compare to what he teaches? And so we always compare ourselves to the truth to the absolute truth of Scripture, to foundation. Uh, and we open up our eyes to ways that we need to change, ways we need to think differently. And so we pray that this sermon series has really challenged you. I had a, a lot of comments from my sermon last week. If you were not here, July the 4th, I, I uh, did kind of a, a little bit of history on our country. Uh, we took a look at the Lord's command to his people to humble themselves and listening to, uh, to listen to his word and to follow him and how he would heal their land. And we looked at a little bit of the history of our country. That sermon, of course, is available online if you want to watch it. I'm not going to re-preach that this morning. But it's my fundamental belief our country was founded on Christian principles. And I believe that's why the Lord has blessed us. But the flip side of that, and this is what I really loved about the passage we studied last week from Chronicles, is that there's great responsibility as believers. If my people, who are called according to my name, will humble themselves, right? So if we're ever going to see change... If we're ever going to see uh, what we perceive as the brokenness of our country be healed, it's only going to happen when believers fall on their faces before the Lord and trust him and pray to him and seek him. So I pray you were challenged and encouraged by that last week. Now in Philippians, we've been kind of building this case. We've been building this case over the last several weeks. Paul's been encouraging us, challenging us to put what's behind us behind us to forget about the past, to look ahead to the glory of the Father, to think about our eternity one day in heaven. And we've kind of challenged you with this idea that this earth is not our home, right? It's temporary. It's only for a time. Our final resting place will be in heaven with the Lord. And so if we can start seeing eternity as our home, imagine how it would change our perspective Imagine how it would change the way we think, the way we act, our priorities. And so the mindset is always Christ. The mindset is always eternity. We're here. God has called us to a very specific purpose while we're here. But we got the mindset that one day we'll spend eternity with him. And so we press on towards the future. We set our eyes on Jesus. That's kind of how he ended up chapter 3. So let's jump right in this morning. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. The words of Paul, therefore, right, because of who Christ is, because of what he's done for us, because we should set our eyes on Christ, therefore, my brothers, 
whom I love and long for, right? He's writing to the church at Philippi. My joy and my crown stand firm, right? A great challenge of all believers. Stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodea and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life, right? An encouragement to the believers there, an encouragement to us as well to press on, to stand together, shoulder to shoulder, serving and working for the things of the Lord. Now, verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard in me and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, really, the key to understanding these first few verses in chapter 4 is the idea of peace. Right? Paul talks about the idea of the peace of God in verse 7. He talks a bit again about the peace of God in verse 9. And we understand through our study of Philippians, and we're going to see it again today, that true peace can only come from Christ. But Paul's going to give us some very specifics in here in these verses that help us understand and, and really gain peace. So here's the first truth I want you to see this morning. Number one, we gain peace through joy. We gain peace through joy. Now remember, let's understand the context, right? This is important for us. Paul had a very difficult life. Sometimes when we think about the Apostle Paul, we think about him writing most of the New Testament. We think about how well-known he is, how beloved he is and was. And it might be easy for us to kind of be confused and think Paul had a really easy life. But if we really study Scripture and we really understand who Paul was, Paul struggled in a lot of ways. Right? We, we think about our difficulties, we think about our struggles, we think about all the things that we go through, and sometimes it's easy for us to think, man, nobody's got it as bad as me, nobody's been through what I've been through. I think it's encouraging sometimes, at least it is for me, to realize that people like Paul, now watch, not only went through suffering, not only had a very difficult life, but emerged through that trusting the Lord, having faith in the Lord, enduring, persevering to the end. Now, Paul has seen a lot of things in his life. He's been beaten, shipwrecked, thrown in prison. He's in prison now as he writes this to the church at Philippi. He's been through very difficult situations. But I want you to notice, I want you to pull up verse 4. I want you to notice what Paul says here in the midst of his struggle, in the midst of everything he's been through, in the midst of writing this letter in prison. Verse 4, pull verse 4 for me if you would please. I want you to see what Paul says here. Even though he's been struggling, there you go. He says in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Right Now watch, he doesn't say rejoice in the Lord when you're happy, rejoice in the Lord when you're not in a jail cell, rejoice in the Lord when everything's going your way. 
Paul, very simply here, I think it's important for us to, to note this, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he does something that's interesting. He's going to kind of follow this up. He's going to kind of double down on this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now, here's the application for you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what struggle you have right now. It doesn't matter what pain you've endured in your life. And I know those things are very real and very difficult. We can absolutely find joy in the Lord. That's a deep abiding contentment and satisfaction in the things of the Lord. You say, Adam, have you, have you watched the news lately? I mean, do you, do you really know what's going on? Have you, have you seen all the bad things that are happening? Man, I see this, this condo or this apartment building in, in Florida that's collapsed, and my heart goes out to those families and the workers, how tragic that is. The people that have died of COVID, and we all know the pandemic, we've lived through it. We, we look around the world in different places and it seems as if things are more and more dangerous than they've been before. And if we're not careful, we get to this place of despair, uh, of confusion. We get worried and anxious and we'll see that in just a minute, how the Lord addresses that. Then we look at our own lives and, and the struggles we've had and the difficulties. You say, how can you find joy? Well, listen, pull verse four up again because I want you to see what Paul says here. I want you to understand where Paul comes from and where this joy comes from. Verse four, Paul says, rejoice in what? The Lord. That's important for us. Not rejoice in your circumstances. Not rejoice in your bank account. Stepping on some toes right here, right? Not rejoice in the new car you just bought, although new cars are really nice. Not rejoice in my house, not rejoice in my friends, not rejoice in the vacation I'm just taking or just took. And again, we should find joy in the things of life. I'm not saying those things are wrong, but ultimately our foundation and our joy has to come from the Lord. Because if you're finding joy in something other than the Lord, you will one day be disappointed. And maybe you're disappointed now. Maybe you can't quite figure out. You're like, man, things are good at work. You know, things are good at home. I'm just not finding this deep-seated joy that I wish I had. Maybe it's because you're not seeking the things of the Lord, right? So you, you move beyond your current circumstances. You find joy in the Lord. Now, the Bible is filled with talk about joy. Right? It's not just in Philippians chapter 4 here. In fact, I'm going to give you a few examples. You don't have to look them up now, but you can jot them down. And when you get a chance, maybe look at them on your own. And, and maybe this is kind of a word of encouragement for you. If you're struggling with peace or joy in your life, maybe you take some of these verses and you write them out and you put them in prominent places kind of in your life, right? In, in my dashboard of my truck, I've got a verse that I leave right there. And I change it out sometimes, but it just encourages me. It reminds me of the things of the Lord. Maybe you put it on your mirror at home. Right? Maybe if you're a student at college, you put it in your dorm room. If you're a teacher at school, you put it on your desk or whatever the case may be. Maybe it's a good idea for you to write some of these verses down so you can remember to find joy in the Lord. Psalm 100, beginning in verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Right? We find joy in what we do on Sunday mornings. I think after COVID, we'll probably never again take for granted the idea of assembling together. I hope we don't. But there's great joy in sharing this with believers. There's great joy in singing and worshiping together. We find joy in those things. Psalm 51 verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with the willing spirit. 
You know, I've said this before, but I firmly believe it's true. I think a lot of people have gotten over the joy of their salvation. Like if you've been saved for a long time, maybe you've kind of been there, done that, and, and you've made that choice to follow the Lord, and you've forgotten what an incredible, miraculous, wonderful, beautiful gift your salvation is, here and hereafter. I think a lot of times we forget that. We, we forget what the Lord has done for us. And so maybe we kind of work through this as we're thinking through this together. If we're going to try to find peace from the Lord and, and find joy in the Lord, maybe we start changing the things we think about. Maybe we start waking up every morning and we try to find joy in our salvation. Lord, just thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for what you've given me. Thank you, Lord, that you have saved me. I, I used to think when I was a kid, I was saved when I was nine years old. And I've never really doubted my salvation. I mean, I've had ups and downs like everybody else, but I was never really the kid that wasn't quite sure. I, I've always kind of known that moment when I was nine, when I walked that aisle, my dad was leading the music. And I, I really never forget that moment. I was clear on my salvation at that point. But there's been ups and downs and there's been times that you, you, know, you kind of wonder and you're not sure about what the Lord's calling you to do, right? But I, I often used to think when I was a kid that my salvation experience and, and my testimony wasn't very good. Because I grew up in church, my dad was in the ministry, still is. I've kind of always been there, always done that. I mean, every time the church doors were open as a kid, I was there. Back when it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, revivals, VBS, I was there, man. I didn't miss any of that. We got some preacher's kids in here. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But I used to think my, my salvation experience was kind of boring because I wasn't the guy that had any major problems. I wasn't the drug dealer who had spent time in prison and the Lord miraculously saved me and I've got this incredible ministry. That wasn't me. But the, the Lord revealed to me something when I was probably in my mid-20s. He revealed to me that, yeah, you're right. That's not your story. But here's what you need to remember, Adam. I saved you from all those things. I gave you the grace not to have to go through that, right? That's a beautiful picture. That's a beautiful reminder of the grace of the Lord in my life, right? This is a beautiful picture of the joy that I can find in salvation. Even though it wasn't the cool testimony like you see on TV, the Lord saved me and redeemed me and kept me from those things. Man, I find great joy in that. I don't have the baggage that other people have praised the Lord from when I was a kid. The Lord saved me from that. And you've got your own personal story. But I think we ought to be aware of and, and consciously thinking through that joy of salvation. What has the Lord done for us? What has the Lord given us? How has he blessed us in so many ways? Finding that joy in salvation. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The idea of finding joy in the presence of the Lord. All right, we have to be careful in the busy world we live in. Because for far too many believers, time with the Lord is something they do because they think they have to, not necessarily because they want to. Right? And so maybe we get to the end of the day, we're like, man, I hadn't done anything with the quiet time. I guess I better spend some time with the Lord. Guess I better pray, maybe spend a little time reading my Bible. We do it out of obligation. Now listen, let me be clear about this. There absolutely is obligation to reading your Bible. There's a fine line here. I don't want you to think that you shouldn't feel obligated to read your Bible because you should. That's what we're called to do. And it's in those moments sometimes when we're not feeling the joy that that obligation takes over and we do it anyway, right? We do it anyway, but we should find and pray for, and as we do this more and more, joy in the presence of the Lord. Not seeing it as something I have to do, something I want to do, right? Something I enjoy doing, something I find great peace in doing. 
And so we work through, we pray through, we trust the Lord. We find joy in his presence as we're reading his word. And we'll see in a few minutes as we pray to him, right? The Bible is just filled with this idea of joy. And oftentimes the joy comes when we abide in the things of the Lord, right? Jesus talks about that with his followers. John chapter 15, he's talking about abiding in the Lord, abiding in me, right? Spending time with me. And for us, that would be in prayer and in time with the Lord. And so you may be saying, listen, I don't have right now a lot of peace. Pull that that main point back up if you would. I don't have a lot of peace. Uh, I don't have a lot of joy. I'm not quite where I need to be. I'm not quite sure why. Maybe it's because you're not finding yourself abiding in the Lord. Maybe you're abiding in the things of the world. Maybe you're abiding in social media, right? We have to be careful there because the Bible doesn't say rejoice in Facebook. (laughs) Rejoice in social media. I told our first service, I have to be careful. This is a a struggle for our family, right? I have teenagers in my house, several teenagers, and they love social media like every other teenager does, and they have phones now. And so there are times, if I were being completely honest with you, that I'll look around the living room and we're all on our phones. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Like when I say that right now, it seems ridiculous. But don't judge me because y'all have done it too, right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. We understand the world we live in. So we have to consciously, willingly sometimes set that stuff aside and say, listen, we're not going to find joy in our phones. Let's find joy in the Lord. What is the Lord doing for us right now? How's the Lord blessed us? What's the Lord saying to us in our time of prayer, in our quiet time as we study God's word? Right? Abide in him, trust him, find peace and joy in the Lord. Now look at verse six. Let's continue on this morning. Verse six and seven, powerful passage of scripture in Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's the second truth this morning. We gain peace through prayer. We find peace through joy Then we find peace through prayer. I want you to see verse 6 again. I want you to pull up verse 6 because I want you to see again with your own eyes. Just as Paul said we should rejoice always, I want you to look at what verse 6 says. Do not be anxious about, what's that next word? Anything. Don't be anxious about anything, right? Don't be worried. Don't be nervous. Don't be troubled. So if that word anything is used there, we ought to be able to substitute the things of life in for that word. So we ought to be able to say, do not be anxious about your job situation. Do not be anxious about COVID. Do not be anxious about your finances. Do not be anxious about you fill in the blank right there, right? The, the opposite of anxiety really is peace with God. And so what we kind of see built into this idea is that the deeper we trust in the Lord, the more we give our requests over to him in prayer, the more time we abide in him, the more time we spend praying to him, the less anxious we will become. You understand that? So if you're struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with that, and I know a lot of people do in the world we live in, especially if you're struggling through that, spend time with the Lord. Spend time abiding with Christ, reading his word, praying, trusting him. Because I want you to notice what verse 7 says. Pull verse 7 up. I want you to see it because it's interesting how Paul phrases this, right? When we do this, when we abide in Christ, when we find joy in Christ, when we spend time in prayer in Christ, I want you to notice what verse 7 says. The peace of God, which we're talking about here, this is how we gain peace, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
Like, don't, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever heard something like this? Somebody says, listen, the Lord did something in my life. It just didn't make any sense. Like, I have peace about this. I don't really understand why. It doesn't make any sense to me, but I do. Or, or God did this, and I don't know how he did it, or when he did it, or really why he did it, but he did it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. That's exactly what this verse says. Like, as we trust the Lord, as we pray, as we find joy, as we petition him, as we read his word, the peace, verse 7 of God, which what? Surpasses all understanding. We don't understand it. We don't know why God's at work. We don't know how he works. We just trust that he is. I know I'm at peace, but I don't know why. One of my favorite examples of, of trusting the Lord and, and finding great peace in the midst of difficulties, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I've read this verse before, but it's one of my favorites. Daniel chapter 3. Right? King Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king, the most powerful ruler in all the world, brings these guys in, and he's basically created this statue, told everybody to bow down. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have said, no, not worshiping your statue. And so Nebuchadnezzar brings them in, threatens them with torture, punishment, death even. Here's how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego respond. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. Watch this. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They said, listen, we believe the Lord's going to save us, but even if he doesn't, we trust him. Even if he doesn't, we believe he's still in control. Even if he doesn't, we find peace following him. Now we know the story. They're thrown into the fiery furnace. You remember the story? King looks in and sees a fourth person that looks like the son of man. They're rescued out. It's a miraculous event. God does great work through their faithfulness as they trust the Lord. Right? I'm reminded of Jesus. Jesus just moments before he's arrested. The Bible says in Luke 22, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him on reaching the place. He said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond, knelt down and prayed. Here's what he prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Trusting the Lord. Faithfulness in the Lord. Seeking the Lord through prayer. Right? So many of us deal with worry and anxiety, and, and I know that's a real thing. I totally get that. I know it's a real thing. But spiritually, what we're saying to the Lord at that moment is that I don't trust you to do this. Right? I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with this idea of who you are. I'm struggling if you can work through this. It's a very difficult thing for us sometimes to find peace and joy and hope in the middle of those struggles. I get it. It's very real. We, we, we got a newsletter from one of our partners in Central Asia. And some of you have met her before. And then one of these days we're going to get her back. We're hoping real soon. But the conditions where she lives right now are pretty difficult. Pretty difficult. She's in a really, really difficult place. I want, you to, I want to read to you from her blog that she sends us on a regular basis. Here's what she said. What would you take if you were leaving your home for an undetermined amount of time, possibly forever, and only had 30 minutes to pack. Hopefully you would not open your suitcase 
upon arriving at your destination and ask yourself, what was I thinking? Last week, my summer intern and I arrived safely in my city and proceeded to unpack all the things I had purchased for my new house and the things that she had brought from America. We had been at my house approximately a day and a half when we received the message that we needed to relocate to a larger city due to security issues. I knew this was a possibility, but I had not seriously planned for it because I really did not want it to happen. I had 30 minutes to throw things in a suitcase and hit the road. When I made it to the new city and opened that suitcase, I definitely wondered what I'd been thinking. I've also been thinking about the time I had in my city. Did I use it wisely? Could I have helped more people? Could I have told more people the good news of lesser importance? Did I really need all the stuff that I bought that's now just sitting in my house? Could I have used that money for something more important? I'm not sitting here beating myself up because I know that God is working all of this together for his glory, but I do think it's important to ask questions like this regularly. Our time here on earth is so short. Will our master say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you up over much. Enter into the joy of your master. You know, I kind of put myself in her place and I think if I'd kind of been kicked out of my house in my city and I had 30 minutes to get everything together, when I arrived at the new place, I'm not sure my mindset would be like hers. I think I'd be mad, frustrated, want to hold somebody accountable, get on the phone, see if I can fix this, right? But she just kind of resonating within this blog is a peace that passes all understanding. Like, I can't understand how you find peace in this moment. I can't understand when you're kicked out of your house and you've got 30 minutes to pack, knowing you may never go back how you find peace. I don't understand that, right? But I understand what the scripture teaches. As we trust him, as we seek him, as we find more peace in him, it passes understanding. We love him more. We hear from him more. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Listen, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. It's a great passage of scripture. The world's got a lot of solutions for our struggles. The world's got a lot of solutions for anxiety, for all the things we deal with, exercise, breathing techniques, relaxation. All those things are good and helpful. But the scripture teaches us, listen, if we'll just trust the Lord, if we'll just give our worries to God in prayer, we'll gain a peace that we can't fully understand. Now, verse 8, let's finish this up. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Here's truth number three. We gain peace by focusing on the things of the Lord. We gain peace by focusing on the things of the Lord. Now listen, this isn't easy. Like this doesn't happen naturally. This is why Paul has to keep talking about it with us. Our mind oftentimes wanders, goes in a thousand different directions. We think about a lot of things. Oftentimes we don't think about the things of the Lord. And so listen, as a believer, this is a constant struggle. Right? Paul uses this idea of running a race or soldiers that fight or the farmer that works the land. Or he uses these analogies over and over because there's work to be done. It's not easy doesn't happen by itself. It doesn't happen on its own. There's this constant 
regular mindset. I'm pressing on, right? I'm pushing through this. I'm working through this. I'm trusting the Lord. I'm doing the best I can to seek him and hear from him. I'm going to do everything I can to focus my thoughts and my energies on the Lord. And so there are kind of two ideas that Paul gives us here. We focus our thoughts on the Lord, and then we focus our actions on the Lord. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 kind of finishes up with this idea of things that are good and honorable and just. And so if there's anything worthy of praise, he says at the end of verse 8, think about these things. Like it's a mindset. I have trouble sometimes sleeping at night because I think. Like my mind gets going on things and I, I lay in bed and just think and think and think. And sometimes it takes me a while, an hour or so to go to bed, right? But I'm not always thinking about the things of the Lord. And so sometimes I have to actively in my mind stop what I'm doing and reevaluate and kind of turn and think about the things of the Lord. So I don't need to be wasting my time thinking about these things. I should instead think about things that are honorable and noble and worthy of praise, things that honor the Lord, right? So there's this thought process. There's this idea of replacing the bad with the good, replacing the lies of the world with the truth of Christ, right? That's where scripture memorization comes in. If you've ever studied scripture, memorized scripture, you understand that at some point it kind of begins to take over your thought process. The more you study it and the more you try to memorize it, the more it just kind of comes up in thought. It just kind of comes up in conversation. You're just driving down the road. The Lord just kind of puts it in your mind. So if you've never done any scripture memorization, if you've never worked through verses to try to learn and try to understand, I would encourage you, that will really help you with the things that you think about. That will help you focus your thoughts on the things of the Lord. But it's not just about thoughts. Look at verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, I've, I've said this before. One of my concerns for the Western church is that we have great amounts of knowledge. I mean, most of us have been in church so many years and have studied so much and know the Bible so well, we can answer all the questions. Like, we understand the importance of prayer. We understand the importance of fasting. We talked about prayer and fasting a little bit in our announcement video. We understand the importance of doing certain things, of serving. We, we get all that. Like, I got a feeling I could give you a, a basic biblical quiz right now, and most of you would get all the questions right. You have the knowledge. It's not so, about, so much about the knowledge as it is about the practice. Are we taking what we know? Are we taking what we've learned? Are we taking what we understand and putting those things into practice? Like, how are you applying what you know? Right? So many of you have been in church so long, you could probably preach this sermon. We could switch you could come over here and preach and probably do a better job than I'm doing. It's not about what you know. It's about what you're doing. So the question becomes, for us, listen, are, are we thinking about the things of the Lord? Are we thinking about his love and his grace and his mercy? And then are we practicing those things in our life? Like how are we demonstrating God's love in a very real way in our life? What are you going to do at work tomorrow to demonstrate the love of Christ? What are you going to do at work tomorrow to demonstrate his grace, his mercy, his love. How are you living for him at home? Like when you think about the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those things, goodness, self-control. Are you living those out at home? Right? Men, are you treating your wife with goodness and kindness and mercy and self-control? It's one thing to know it. It's sometimes a very different thing to do it. One writer said this, God's peace especially resides 
in those who have ordered their lives in accordance with God's will. Are you doing what he's called you to do? You know, I said at the very beginning, one of the things we do when we study scripture should always be to examine our lives versus the truth of God's word. And if you come to this place in your life where you realize, listen, I'm not living for Christ the way I should, or this is an issue in my life. The scripture says one thing, I'm doing something else. You should prayerfully work through how to change that. Are you living for Jesus? Are you taking what you know, actively living it out in your life? All right, so we find peace through joy. We find peace through prayer. We find peace through thinking and actively living out the things of the Lord. Now, there may be somebody here this morning who says, listen, I get it. I've heard all this stuff. I, I know about Jesus. In fact, I, I've gone to church some in my life, but I've never actually had this personal relationship with him. I, I've never understood what that personal connection to Christ means. It's a very simple process. It's the idea that you recognize that you're sinful. You've done things in the past you shouldn't have done. You understand that the only way those sins can be forgiven is through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. And so you repent of those sins. You turn from the, the wicked ways of your life and the mistakes you made and you turn to Christ and you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you've never done that this morning, I'd love to talk to you about it here in just a minute. We're going to have a time of invitation. Our worship team is going to come and lead us. I'm going to be down front. This is an opportunity for you to come and pray. This is an opportunity for you to come and speak to me. However the Lord leads, this is your chance to take what you've learned and begin the process of responding to it. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the clear picture that Paul has painted us throughout the book of Philippians. We thank you for this passage of scripture this morning, Lord, for this encouragement, for this challenge, this idea of peace through joy and prayer and focusing on the Lord. Father, it's such a simple model, but sometimes so difficult to do. So I pray that this truth, Lord, would stay in our hearts and our minds. We would be able to think about the things of the Lord and then put those things into practice, Father. So use us, send us out here in just a few minutes with this truth. May we apply it to our lives live for you in all things. We'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.